Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest says that the way forward isn't more ideas, programs, and problem solving, but in Jesus' surprising invitation to the kingdom through childlikeness. She says ultimately rediscovering childlike habits is a way for us to remember how to be human. We're joined today by Mandy Smith. She's a popular pastor and a speaker, and she's inviting us to detox from the deeply ingrained habits of Western culture so that we can do kingdom things in kingdom ways again. Today on Connection, she'll share how we can start doing this. She'll also talk a little bit about her new book, Unfettered Imagining a Childlike Faith Beyond the Baggage of Western Culture. We're joined today by Mandy Smith. She is a pastor and speaker. She's also the author of a new book called Unfettered, Imagining a Childlike Faith Beyond the Baggage of Western Culture. For those who don't know, tell us a little bit about Mandy. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I um, grew up in Australia, have just spent the last 25 years or so living and working in the U.S., ministering there, and have just in the last couple of months moved back to Australia, and I'm just about to start a new pastoral role um, here in Brisbane, which is my hometown. I would not suggest moving internationally during a pandemic. It's, <laughs> it's been quite a roller coaster, but but God is good. How did you wind up going from Australia to the United States for ministry for such a long period? Yeah, yeah we just left to study and planned to be gone for about 10 years. And my husband was working on a PhD in the UK as well as in the US and then um, planned to come back to Australia. But you know, life just does that to you. And we started having kids and things got underway. So we went back to the US in 1998 for two years and stayed until this year, basically. So um, yeah, but uh, we've always kind of intended to come back to Australia. And finally, it was time. What was that time like while you were in the US? Yeah, it was interesting. We have so many people that we love there and so many ways that we were so blessed to be in ministry there. And at the same time, um, there was some just stuff in the culture, stuff in the U.S. church that was deeply troubling to us. And actually, when we first arrived there, um, we felt really strange because our some of those things that were so apparent to us were not so apparent to many of the folks that we were around a lot. And over the last 10 or 15 years, um, you know, American Christians began to become more conscious of some of those things that were really unhealthy. And so um, although it's painful at the moment, I think it's really beautiful that a lot of those things are coming to the surface and we're able to have conversations about those things. And so uh, oftentimes, you know, my husband was a New Testament professor as well as uh, I I was being I was in pastoral ministry and um, oftentimes in the beginning we found ourselves kind of oftentimes having to talk about things people didn't want to talk about and by the time we left sometimes we were the ones who were like oh, you're not that bad <laughs> you know like um, <laughs> things really changed over the time that we were there it was interesting. Your ministry um, had like it seems like a real community focus and outreach and trying to be active in the community is that correct? Yeah, we were at, I was at University Christian Church by the University of Cincinnati. And um, so we had a focus on just being available to our neighbors uh, that were both students and regular folks in the neighborhood. And um, about 16 years ago, we realized our fellowship hall was just sitting empty six days out of the week. And so we opened it up um, with the city's first fair trade cafe and it was a serious cafe it wasn't an afterthought kind of little thing in the back room it was a huge space 
um, that our student, students would just hang out all day long and use up all our Wi-Fi. And um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a real um, joy to have, um, have the community in our building all the time. When you were saying that you noticed some habits that were um, not exactly the best, what, was, what were some of those habits that you were noticing? Yeah, I think there was just an enmeshment of culture and Christianity, which, you know, happens everywhere. Um, but there were some ways I, I often sum up um, the experience that my husband especially had in the classroom at a Bible college where he would, in the beginning of our time there, he would say, okay, so this is what Paul is saying, or this is what the Bible says. And people would say, mm, but that's not American. And we would say, he would say, <laughs> He would say, yeah, and they would say, you're a heretic. <laughs> so that's, that's, just a, that's just a really um, kind of overdone version of it. But um, oftentimes, you know, we're, we both grew up in Australia and we would just say things that seemed blatantly obvious to us. You know, oh, Christians don't care about that or Christians should be interested in this. And we got ourselves in trouble a lot of the time without really trying to. Um, so, uh, but I think I'm really thankful that, that a lot of American friends of mine are really becoming sensitive to, to those realities now. So that's um, a really hopeful thing for me. I, I think a lot of our biblical interpretation, it often comes from our own uh, like cultural context, right? And yes. not actually uh-huh. like the, the context that the scripture was written in. Right. And that's true for people all over the world. I think Australians yeah. do that as well. So I'm, I think sometimes it's easier to be aware of that when you're living outside of your first context as I was, and probably I'd been doing the same thing myself in my own culture. I think probably the thing that's different is that um, American culture claims to be Christian culture, whereas many of the other cultures around the world don't. So um, that's where, you know, it's, it's heightened. Tell us a little bit about the difference of what, um, what church is like or what um what it's like in Australia compared to America yeah um I think one of well Australia um has an interesting history with being very closely connected to the Christian history of England but doesn't necessarily um function in the in the same way as England or America does um and so growing up for me, I didn't have a lot of Christian people at my high school or it wasn't assumed that people would appreciate Christian faith or hold that faith. Uh, even though there is a, a tradition of Christian culture here, it's not really similar to the the kind of freedom of religion history of the U.S. or the revival history of the U.S. And um, I remember the first Sunday that we went to church in the U.S. back in the 90s, there was um, an announcement made saying we're going to boycott these these cleaning product companies. I think it was Clorox bleach or something like that because they are advertising during TV shows that have sex scenes in them. And as an Aussie, I just thought, well, first of all, good luck because there's only like five people in the whole country who are Christian. So any anything that we do is not going to have any effect financially or politically. I had no idea of just the um, the political sway or the economic sway that Christians in the U.S. would have. And um, then I also thought, well, you know, but this this company is not claiming to be a Christian broadcasting company, so we shouldn't be surprised if they are functioning according to the ways of the world. So um, that for me felt like 
it's just kind of a microcosm of the kinds of things that seemed very different to me where I had grown up just kind of not being surprised that people who weren't Christian behaved like people who weren't Christian and, you know, so, um, and not expecting Christian people to have, to have power in any political or economic sense. So it was an interesting introduction to that. So your experience in ministry in Australia and the U S it's given you a unique perspective of Christianity in in the West. And that's what your new book focuses on unfettered, imagining a childlike faith beyond the baggage of Western culture. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the book, where the idea came from and what you're uh, talking about in that book. Right. Yeah. Well, I never actually set out to write that book. It was kind of an experience that writing helped me to figure out. And it began when I was on a sabbatical from my pastoral ministry and I was just thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with eight weeks off? I guess I can be like a kid, you know, and sleep when I like and eat what I like and wear what I like. And um, so that was wonderful for eight weeks, but it actually, um, it actually was harder than I expected and forced me to have to deal with some kind of false selves. I realized even something like um, listening to those childlike prompts to, lie in the grass and look at the sky, you know, there was still this adultish kind of instinct in me that was wanting to stay in control or wanting to have an agenda or wanting to look um, cool or worry about what people thought of me. And um, so it actually kind of unraveled me. And uh, when I went back to work, um, some of those instincts that I had let myself listen to when I was on sabbatical just wouldn't be quiet. And Um, So then it was kind of more serious things, these little prompts in me that had led me to, uh, you know, lie in the grass or jump in puddles when I was on sabbatical were now prompting me to give things away or to pray for healing for people. And I invite the whole congregation to do that or to um, to pray, to pray for justice or to um, invite folks in the neighborhood who would normally not feel comfortable in, in the church building or, you know, things that were really uncomfortable and, um, so I, I started to explore then uh, what Jesus was talking about when he said, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom. And I started to realize that, you know, we, we really sidelined that and not done much exploring of what that even means. I think we assume that it just means being whimsical, which is wonderful. But um, I think really it's kind of a solution to to everything that's wrong with us at the moment in the Western church because uh, we are so much interested in fixing things and controlling things in our own strength and, uh, you know, approaching things mostly as thinking and accomplishing functionaries. (laughs) And and I think really what, what Jesus is inviting us into is, is a way to engage as as whole beings again as we did as children with with minds but also with bodies and emotions and instincts um, and also uh, as we did as children engaging in a way that doesn't assume that it's all up to us which is very uh, unusual for us as western adults so yeah it was quite an adventure how do we get to that point many people are going to think whoa i'm just so used to what i'm doing now how can i change Uh, and become more childlike in my habits exactly and the funny thing is I've realized my my habit of adultishness even in trying to fix myself and even in trying to 
um, be the one who makes myself more this way. And so I think one of the best things that I learned in, in the book is kind of arranged around these three R words, which I didn't make alliterative on purpose. I just seemed like the best <laughs> words, but um, rest, receive, respond, um, because the world really um, tells us respond, 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 you know, even how can I become more childlike? Is it like, I need to respond to this challenge or I need to fix this thing in myself. Um, and so we just have this knee jerk reaction of it's, it's up to me to fix it, to control it, to understand it, respond, respond, respond. And we certainly do have a response. We have been given agency and power in the world to make a difference and to use our gifts and time and resources. But um, when we see Jesus yoke, for example, he says, come to me and rest or you are weary and heavy laden. Come to me and rest and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, um, take my yoke upon you. So um, it's a very strange as an oxymoron there in that, in that verse. Um, but I think what he's inviting us into is, is this childlike posture of resting first. And then in my experience, whenever we rest, which for me is not just lying in the grass or taking a day off, but even the moment my, by moment, uh, abiding and and having a breath prayer, prayer of remembering who's ultimately in charge of the world that kind of rest always uh, allows us to receive something if we set aside our own agenda um, whether it's it might not be receiving the answer or the fix that we wanted but it might just be receiving a reminder of God's ultimate um, holding of things or it might just be a moment to take a breath and realize it's there's time or, or it's okay to, to take, take our hands off the wheel for a moment. Uh, and then from that, whatever we receive, there's, there's an opportunity to respond. One of the great things about that passage where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Like usually a yoke was meant for two animals, right? right. And so there's this picture of Jesus, like saying too, like, let me come and work beside you. Yeah. And, uh, Often too, I remember reading a commentary on this passage and they said like often that farmers would take an older experienced animal and you put it with the new young animal that doesn't know anything. And this older right. animal works beside it, teaching its ways, okay. right? And so there's this image of Jesus saying, let me help you carry the load and let me teach you the easy ways of doing this. Exactly. And I, I don't think it's like have no yoke or have Jesus yoke. You know, we have we have this terrible burden of carrying it all on our own. And he's inviting mm -hmm. us into that posture, as you say, where um, this is where it's restful because he's ultimately carrying most of the weight. But what a beautiful thing that we're invited to partner with him in mission, that uh, God is already on mission in the world and wants us to be with him in it and to be on that adventure with him. And um, so I think oftentimes we have a tendency to say either it's all up to me or it's all up to God. And we kind of ping pong back and forth between those two extremes and neither of them really um, require much friendship with God or much partnership with him. So um, this rest, receive, respond posture kind of invites us to be uh, joining in the mission that God's already doing in the world. Now, along with your book, you have a study guide. Why did you decide to include a study guide with this? Yeah, I just, it was such an immersive experience for me. And I actually realized if I'm encouraging people uh, to engage as whole selves because I think that's a part of our problem that we think of ourselves primarily as thinking creatures and that's a very western kind of habit 
um, if I'm wanting people to also, in addition to intellect, to engage with bodies and and spirit and spirits and emotions and senses, then um, sitting and reading a book really doesn't help with that. So um, I wanted it to almost be like a field guide to invite people into a more immersive experience. So the book came out in the middle of May. I'm wondering what the response has been like so far. Have you received a lot of pushback or are people kind of saying like, oh, wow, this is really eye-opening and helpful and challenging in good ways? Yeah, I haven't received any pushback yet. Not to say that there hasn't been some. I just haven't heard about it. Maybe it helps that I'm on the other side of the planet from where most of the readers are. But um, no, so far the people that have been reading it, actually the, the thing I've heard most from people is, oh, wow, I can't rush through this book. Like I really want to take it slowly and really want to um, kind of sink into it and do there's little reflection things throughout that um, a lot of people have been telling me they've been actually taking the time to do and have found that really transformative. So that blesses me to hear. Tell us where people can pick up the book and learn more about you. Yeah, yeah. So the book is uh, on Baker's website and um, also at Amazon and any of the good places where books are usually found. Um, Hearts and Minds Bookstore is a wonderful independent bookstore that um, I know is, is going to be carrying it. And if you want to support their wonderful ministry, I would check them out as well. Um, my All of the links are also on my website, which is thewayistheway.org. Um, I have a page specifically for the book on there. And um, so there are links to, to different bookstores on there as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, yeah I love talking that. with you. I can't wait to read the book. Yeah, I hope it's a blessing to you. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.